Good morning, Westside Family Church. It's so great to see you. I'm so excited. Woo! Someone can, yeah. Those of you here at Lenexa Speedway, those watching online, a shout out to Will and Molly Dusenberry watching from San Antonio. Uh, you have chosen a very good Sunday to be here. As a matter of fact, it is my personal belief that you will look back on this Sunday years from now and you will say, I was here. I believe with all of my heart that God has called out this particular congregation to do something that has never been done before, the way in which we're going to do it, and we have the privilege of learning about it over these next six weeks. And so we've put together a little memento book that you'll be able to keep, as well as a guide for these next six weeks called Unshakable. And our ushers are passing out those booklets now, one per person. And uh, there's a couple things you need to do. First of all, on page one, you'll need to put your name on it uh, because they all look exactly alike. Uh, number two, uh, we're encouraging you to bring this back every single week with you. Uh, the, the next thing you need to know is that the first 20 pages really lay out the vision that you saw in the video so that you can look at it uh, more closely and review it and even share it with somebody who's not a part of Westside about what God is calling us to do. On page 21, you'll see message notes. There'll be an opportunity for you today and over the next six weeks to sort of write your impressions and thoughts that come from our time together. And you'll also notice that there are A2 community content uh, materials that are available. We want everybody to experience these next six weeks in a smaller community, to digest it and to talk about it. So if you're in an A2 or Acts 2 or small group community, this will be the material that you use along with some videos that I recorded. If you'd like to get into a group or start one on your own, we'd encourage you to do that. And we even have some that will be meeting on site at Lenexa in our Speedway campus. And so you can check that out. And uh, the final thing that you'll notice is that there is a commitment card, a white one for adults, and then a, I'm colorblind, is that blue? Is that blue? A uh, blue one for students. So you have your own. So cool. My granddaughter, who's 14 years old, watched the 815 service, and she said, Papa, I mean, Baba, that's what she calls me. She says, I want you to bring me a commitment card. And this will be a card uh, that uh, we will ask you to keep with you and to begin praying about as we come to the end of this experience in investing in the kingdom of God through Westside Family Church. So we're excited for students to have their own and for adults to have your own as well. And so every single Sunday, I'm going to be uh, asking you uh, to raise your booklets up. And I've got this amazing sixth sense where I can tell who didn't bring them. Yeah, and I, I can, right? So this morning is going to be great because you all have them, because we just gave them to you. So raise up your unshakable booklet. Way to go. 100% participation. I'm looking forward to that next week. Now, are you ready to dive in? I got so much to talk to you about. I'm going to try to like, I didn't have any caffeine this morning, I promise. I'm all decaf. Okay, let's pray as we prepare our hearts. Father, today we settle our hearts before you. We want to hear from you. And in preparation, we want our soil to be tilled so it will seek in deep. So we open up our minds, our hearts, and our hands to you. 
eager to receive what you have for us today. We pray this in the name of your son and by his authority. And all of God's people said. So I want to begin, note number one, page 21, to write down, our world is shaken. Our world is shaken. Does anybody doubt over the last couple of years? I've never experienced anything like this in my 39 years of life. Yeah, yeah. All right, everyone bought that. Good, yeah. Our world has been shaken, and, um, and, it, and, it's, and it's, it, I mean, it's a pretty aggressive thing that our world has been shaken. And we have to ask ourselves the question, is this just natural causes? Is this coming from a root of evil? Or is it God who is doing the shaking? And it is my opinion, based upon the study of scriptures, that ultimately it is God who is doing the shaking. Yeah. Now, it could be that he is working with natural causes. It could be, because we see this in the scripture, that he's actually working with those who intend evil, yes, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I believe that God is in control and he is doing the shaking to ultimately bring about his good and eternal purposes. His good and eternal purposes. Now, the core passage of scripture that the unshakable vision is derived from is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 26 and 27. We shared it with you in the video, but I want to put it up on the screen again, ask you to take a look at it. And the context here is at a time in Old Testament history where God shook the earth. It was during the time of Moses in the wilderness, and God invites Moses to go up to Mount Sinai, And there, while he is there, and the people are down in the valley, God shakes Mount Sinai and the land around it. And in that moment, God is delivering the Ten Commandments to Moses on two tablets to take down to the people the word of God by which they would live and die by. Yeah, he shook the earth. But he says there's going to come a time when once again I will shake not only the earth, a particular plot of land, but I will shake the heavens and the earth, meaning the entire globe, and we have experienced that. We know from the study of scripture that in this shaking of the whole earth, like God is doing now, it is representing the reality that the coming of Jesus again is drawing near. Yeah, some of you are new to church and you know about the first coming of Jesus as a baby in a manger, but you may not have been aware that the whole excitement about the rest of the Bible is that he's coming back again to establish his kingdom once and for all. So that's pretty exciting, isn't it, right? That it's drawing near and the question is, when will it happen? So if you're taking notes, write this down. January 21st, 2033. January 21st, 2033. He said, how do you know that? Well, there are a lot of people. If I had an hour, I'd unpack it for you. 2033 is 2,000 years after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. And there's good reason to believe that that might be it. January 21st, that's my birthday. Yeah. As it turns out, God loves you, but I am his favorite. Yeah. Now, the reality is I do not know the time. The Bible says that it's gonna, he's going to come like a thief in the night. 
but here is the good news for followers of Jesus. Here's the good news. If we keep our lives aligned to God's kingdom, we will be unshakable. Yeah. I get this from Psalm chapter 16 and verse 8. I'm not just making it up. It is a promise. I'm going to put it on the screen and invite you to shout it out. And I can hear people at Speedway. I can hear you online. God's given me this spiritual gift. All right. Say it out loud with me. Ready? Here it is. I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him at my right hand. Say it. I will not be shaken. Does anybody want to live an unshakable life? I know that I do. So we ask ourselves in this season where God is shaking the whole world, what is he calling us to be about in this next season? And we spent 40 days of prayer and fasting fixing our eyes on the Lord and we believe with all of our heart that he's given it to us what he wants us to do. But here's the deal. In order to achieve it, it's going to require something from every single one of us. And that's why you saw in the video that we have set an audacious goal of 100% involvement. And you know what? This is plum crazy. You know, what we are seeking to do is to overcome the 80-20 rule. Those, you know what the 80-20 rule is, isn't it? 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. But God has made it very clear, if we are to be successful, we have to overcome that, what appears to be insurmountable statistic. But I believe that with the people that I have come to know and love at Westside Family Church, that we can do it. Now, it's gonna require two things. Number one, it's gonna require for every one of you, and I'm talking to students, I'm talking to every single person online and at Speedway, is you're gonna to have to increase in faith. That is, over these next couple years, every single person is going to need to take a step closer to a relationship with Jesus, to grow deeper, to change. It's also gonna require that you understand in greater capacity that you have been left here for a reason. You've been left here for a reason and that you're going to pursue God to discover what that is in the next season. Number two, it's gonna require that we increase in our generosity. And for some of you, this will be a maiden voyage where you discover for the first time that God hasn't given you all of this to be consumed upon yourself alone, but he's given it to you so that you might be faithful to give back a portion of it to his unshakable kingdom purposes. And it's going to thrill your soul. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And some of you are going to discover that for the first time in this experience. And others of us, like Roseanne and I, who have already experienced that, as the speed of the leader, so the speed of the team. We've been taking this commitment card and thinking it through and asking God, could you possibly take us to a new level of generosity to experience and partner with you in your kingdom? So on November the 20th, five weeks from now, uh, we're going to have a special service, which we do traditionally at Westside. We do a Thanksgiving offering where people come to the stage and give an offering between now and the end of the year 
And uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's my favorite Sunday of the year because it surprises me how the participation is basically 100%, which is amazing. But this year, we're gonna be asking you, to, you and I to take it to another level. And the commitment card's gonna invite you to project out by faith what you think God is inviting you to do over the next two years, 2023 and 2024, as a commitment just between you and God, not with you and, and the church. And I believe it's going to be one of our finest hours. Now, here's the deal. There is going to be no arm twisting in this. Not at all. Because we don't need it. We are going to rely upon the presence of the Holy Spirit and everyone who has confessed Jesus and counting on him to stir our souls, to stir our souls. As a matter of fact, back to the story of Moses, when uh, Moses went up to the mountain and God shook Mount Sinai and down came the word of God, which they live and die by, God then instructed Moses, okay, Moses, I'm going to come down again and dwell among the people. Okay, don't let this over, uh, don't overlook this, okay? God has not been down with the people since he left when he was with Adam and Eve walking with them in the cool of the day. Now, it's not going to be up here. He's going to come down. And so he instructed Moses to build a tent in the wilderness, a tabernacle upon which the presence of God would reside in the back of the tabernacle in a room called the Holy of Holies. And he gave the children of Israel the privilege of investing in the house of God. Exodus chapter 25, this is what Moses says to, God says to Moses in instruction to the people. He says, tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings. I love that word. Sacred offerings. When we give to the Lord, they are sacred. Accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. Did you catch that? To all whose hearts are moved. I love that. Here's the deal. Over the next six weeks, if your heart is not moved, sit out. But if the Holy Spirit within you is stirring you, simply be obedient, and I believe that God is going to shower his kingdom purposes with everything we need and more. I believe that. Now, over the next six weeks, I've chosen to walk us through the book of Acts because the book of Acts is the founding of the church where amazing, even miracles were done, and here's the deal. I believe that what God did in the first century He's wanting to do again in the 21st century. I do, with all my heart. So let me tell you the story. The book of Acts opens up with now the resurrected Jesus. And the resurrected Jesus appears before the 120 disciples who are frightened. They're frightened because they think they are next. This is the group of people, save John, who failed to show up at Jesus' deepest hour of need, the crucifixion. But none of them, save John, was actually there. And yet Jesus, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, gives this group of knuckleheads an amazing mission. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
and you will be my witnesses, beginning in Jerusalem, spreading to Judea and Samaria, and ultimately to the ends of the earth. Their commission was to start in their hometown of Jerusalem and move outward to the ends of the earth, which is a pretty tall order for a group of hicks from Galilee. But Jesus instructed them to stay in Jerusalem until the gift he promised would arrive. And that gift was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, as it turns out, will be their secret source of power. And so the 120 disciples of Jesus, including the 11 minus Judas, are huddled up in fear in the upper room. Now, I took a bunch of Westsiders to Jerusalem this year, and we actually were in the upper room. Yeah, we're going to show it to you, a little video. As we enter into it, one of our members of the group entered into the upper room where the 120 disciples are at. And what we discover in this room is at the appointed time, the Holy Spirit comes down upon these 120 disciples like the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus as a dove at his baptism. Here, he's coming down like fire. And the Holy Spirit indwells them. Now here's the seismic shift. Here is a seismic shift. Remember the story of Moses, right? The earth shakes on Mount Sinai. The word of God comes down, which they live and die by, the Ten Commandments. And then God instructs them to give gifts to build the tabernacle, which will be the dwelling place of God. The seismic shift, ready for it? We are the new dwelling place of God. He no longer is quarantined in the back of a tent called the Holy of Holies. We are the Holy of Holies, made clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. The word dwelling in the Greek in the New Testament literally means tabernacling, that God is tabernacling within us. Do not let that slip by you. The presence in you who believe. What difference does it make? Well, let's just take the story of Peter. No, Peter, the guy who just 50 days earlier denied he even knew Jesus in the presence of a junior high student. Yeah, he didn't have the courage to admit it to a junior high student, right? And now 50 days later, with the presence of God in his life, he boldly swings open the doors of the upper room and goes out into a filled street for the celebration of Pentecost where over 16 nations of people have gathered for this celebration. And he begins to tell the story of Jesus beginning with the Old Testament, coming up to the very idea that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of God who has come to offer us forgiveness of sin once and for all. But not only that... Every single person heard the message of Peter in their own heart language from those 16 different nations, right? How does a hick from Galilee pull that off? He does it through the presence of the Holy Spirit who is taking his words and placing it into the ears of the receiver in their own heart language. It's called a miracle. And after he finishes telling the story, we're told in Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, when the people heard this, 
they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? And Peter responded in the next verse, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the same gift of the Holy Spirit that now empowers me. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. After that message, the church of 120 which is considered a small church, immediately shifted and became the first mega church. 3,000 people responded, were cut to the heart, and the church is now 3,120. But it didn't stop there. As a matter of fact, over the next 29 years, they will actually achieve the mission that God, Jesus, gave them in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Matter of fact, it is the outline of the very book of Acts. Here we have a map of the world at that time. And between Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 6, they take Jerusalem. Boom. There it is. Ready? Jerusalem. Boom. (laughs) Then in Acts chapter 6 through Acts chapter 9, they spread through persecution to Judea and Samaria. Boom. (laughs) Boom. Judea and Samaria. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, check your batteries, folks. <laughs> Acts chapter 9 to Acts chapter 12, it spreads to Syria. Then Acts chapter 12 to Acts chapter 16 to Cyprus and Galatia. From Acts chapter 16 to Acts chapter 19, Macedonia, Achaia, and Asia. And then finally, from Acts chapter 19 to the end of the book, Acts chapter 28, they enter into Rome by the Apostle Paul, and once it enters Rome, the capital city of the entire Roman Empire, we know that the gospel is going to spread to the ends of the earth. But it didn't stop there. Sociologist Rodney Stark, uh, in his book, The Rise of Christianity, did a careful study of the growth of Christianity from what he calls this one marginalized poor guy from Nazareth named Jesus, all the way to A.D. 350, before the church had any church buildings at all, and he was able to surmise that it went from one person to 33,882,008 people, or 56.5% of the entire Western world population. A lot of business people here today. How would you like to have 56.5% of the market share in the entire world? This is what happened through a bunch of knuckleheads who had the Holy Spirit on their side. Now we turn to Acts chapter 29. You say, there is no Acts chapter 29. (laughs) Yes, there is. It's us. This is our story. And there's three things I want you to know as we continue in this movement. Number one, we have the same Holy Spirit in us. We can't do what God is inviting us to do, but we can do it through him who gives us strength. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. Number two, Westside will keep the main thing, the main thing, the gospel. 
You see, eternal life is a big deal. Yeah, we live today. We're just trying to get through the day, pass the mashed potatoes, pay the bills. But believe me when I tell you, eternal life is a really big deal. Maybe the biggest deal of all. And I tell you the truth. If a person doesn't receive this gift, gift of the forgiveness of sins before they give up their last breath or before Jesus returns, which is January 21st, 2033, (laughs) you will not experience it. Several years ago, I made a decision. It's a bold decision. Some consider it to be insensitive. But I was doing a funeral, and before me was a casket of a guy that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt did not believe in Jesus. And yet it's the responsibility culturally of the preacher to make the family members feel comforted by giving them some idea that this ornery man had believed in Jesus. Now, it wasn't because he was ornery. It's because he didn't believe in Jesus, that he made it to heaven. And I saw the looks on people's faces like, I don't really know where I stand, but if this preacher is saying that guy made it, I got no problems, right? (laughs) And I realized I could not change the outcome of this guy's eternal destiny. It was already set in stone. But by my words, I could change possibly the outcome of the people standing. So I made a decision that day that I would never lie again. And here's the deal. Do not ask me to do your funeral unless I am 100% convinced that you have trusted Jesus. Otherwise, I'm going to tell the congregation for their sake the truth about you. I don't lie at funerals anymore to make you feel comforted in the moment only to give up eternal life. Do you hear me, church? Yeah, yeah, that's the truth. So either, you know, either get someone else to do it, you know, or believe in Jesus. Now, I... uh, I was golfing this last week with a guy. He's a Texan, so you'll understand. And he found out that he, that he was golfing with a preacher. And so he told me that he was going to really try to curb his language. Apparently, he's very colorful. Uh, and I don't know why people feel the need to do that when they're around me. You know, like God is with you all the time. Uh, but <laughs> apparently, they think I show up. God shows up when I show up, which is fine, right? And the dude made it until hole 14. And he could not help himself, and he felt super, super bad. And I said to him, is there some reason why you believe that God is going to, like, send you to hell because you swear? He goes, he won't? I go, no, dude. First of all, God doesn't send anybody to hell. He said, what do you mean? No. God does not send anybody to hell. He merely honors their choice. Yeah. And I told him that. And I said, the only thing that matters is whether you know Jesus. And he said, well, I should be okay. I'm not that bad of a guy. He still believes, even after I said that, that God grades on a curve. He does not. I don't recommend you swear. You know, be more educated and sophisticated than that. Really, right? But that's not what's going to keep you out of eternal life with Jesus. It's whether or not you have received the gift that he offers. And that's why in every single 
service at Westside, we offer an opportunity for people to receive Jesus Christ. The final thing I want to share with you is that this, the church is the hope of the world. That's how Jesus established it. The church is the hope of the world. Rodney Stark, that same sociologist, not only tracked the growth of the church from the first century to the third century, he also tracked the growth of the church in America from the 18th century to the 21st century. And as a country, we were clearly founded on Judeo-Christian principles. There's no denying that. But the logic I have always carried is, in the early days, everybody went to church, right? Not true. In 1776, only 17% of Americans were involved in a local church. You say, what happened? They were running from the church of England. They didn't like the state church, and they were running for religious freedoms and chose to take a hiatus from church, right? And then by 1850, the number grew to 33%. By 1900, it grew to 50%. And then in 2012, the church in America had 70% of the people attending church. What does that mean? It means that the Holy Spirit is alive and moving amongst us. Media outlets like Newsweek published a major major article entitled, The End of Christian America. And Rodney Stark in his book wrote, Nonsense. And I have found that the global pandemic did set the church back just a little bit in attendance. But here's what I've discovered. There are churches like Westside. I mean, look around you. You've come back. But here's the deal. You haven't just come back as the same person. What I have noticed is you are different now than you were at the pandemic. You're leaning in. You're not going to take it for granted anymore. You're sensing that God is on the move. And I like this congregation even better than the one before the pandemic. And it gives me great comfort to know that we might just pull this off. You know, Kansas City is in the very center of this country. And I believe that God has placed a call on this congregation in this city specifically because it's in the center. So that what we, when we drop this vision in the center of the United States, it will ripple out. You know that new fashions and weirdness comes from the east and the west coast and moves into the center. But from the center, transformation through faith in Jesus Christ starts here and ripples even to those people. Yeah. And it's going to happen through our faithfulness. Since Westside Family Church was founded in 1976, I was 15 years old. And since 1980, we've been able to track. From 1980 till now, there's been 5,791 people who've gone public for Jesus Christ in baptism. I was walking off the platform at the end of this service and Jason Mills our music director said no it's 5,792 I just baptized a guy yesterday yeah we're going to keep the main thing the main thing and that is the gospel and that's why I close by giving you this invitation if today you have been cut to the heart and you're asking brother what shall I do I'm going to invite you to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior 
and to go public for him in baptism. And all of God's people said, be standing to your feet as we worship.